Hello, everybody, and welcome to finally to week one uh, edition of the Lean Toss Up College Football Podcast. We did it, guys. We finally had some college football last weekend. Um, not a lot of games, um, but some very interesting games, some some very interesting twists and turns. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk. We're going to talk a bit more about those later. But yeah, we've got this is the big one this week. We got a ton of games, a lot of really interesting ones, a lot of lines that have actually moved based off of the the, the games we saw this last weekend. Uh, so yeah, a lot of stuff to talk about this week. I am joined as always uh, by my co-host Buck Metrics. Uh, how are you doing today? I am excited, and I am better than a certain coach that uh, calls Lincoln, Nebraska, his home. I th- I'm fairly sure most people are uh, yes. doing better than, than Scott Frost right now. Um, we will definitely talk about Scott Frost uh, a little bit later. There's a lot of thoughts we have about about that game. Um, but first, I think we're going to talk a little bit. Of, we're going to do something we call the executive dashboard. Do you want to explain to the to the to listeners and, and a couple of viewers, but more more listeners? I think more people listen to this podcast. What what is the executive dashboard? So I think I mentioned in the uh, first uh, preseason pod uh, this summer that I'm an executive uh, financial consultant. And usually what happens is a client brings me in. They they say, oh, my gosh, I've broken this company and I don't know what's going on. And so I help them. I say, let's get a dashboard together for you so you know where do we stand? What are the key things you need to be apprised of? Where are the narratives that you need to, you know, keep an eye on? So I thought since I'm kind of in that mindset, it's just a good way to do a little recap of what's happened, what are we looking at, you know, in the in the immediate past and, and going forward. Um, so here's the first one. I'm just going to run through the, the dashboard. There's, you know, a few little panels. I've got thoughts on each of these, on some of them. And, um, you know, as you have thoughts, just chime in. Otherwise, we will, you know, go in deeper dives on some of this after I go through. So the first panel, market intelligence. This is getting at what can I divine from the lines that I'm seeing now, and are they giving us any kind of uh, you know narrative or story that that we should be aware of? First thing that sticks out to me is Nevada. They went from giving eight and a half to giving one, hosting Texas State. I think I actually saw Pickham at at my guy this morning. Um, <clears throat> we'll get later to New Mexico State, but if you saw Nevada, boy, they were not uh, impressive. You know, not very good on offense, not very good on defense. And amazingly, you know, what I really enjoyed was that giant quarterback was out there running quarterback keepers. It basically looked like Chet Holmgren out there just uh, running around seven feet tall and not really making people miss, but looking very um, memorable, we'll say. That was that was fun. Um, Illinois, even though they won uh, pretty handily over Wyoming, they're still getting three at Indiana. What does this tell me? Well, if you saw that, Tommy DeVito just uh, continued his awesome ways. He had a QB plus of 59. And remember, 100 is average. 59 is basically, um, that would have put you second uh, second last in the, all of FBS last season, you know, ahead of only the Arizona quarterback. So he had a QB plus of 59 and a blowout win over Wyoming. I'm not sure how you QB can be that bad in a blowout win. Um, so clearly the market is... Not really a believer in Illinois at this point. The, the, yeah, the market is not a uh, fighting Illini uh, today. Uh, quick point on that too, and, and that's it, it's really crazy because, like, if you watch that game, and I actually did, I did watch that game. We talked about it, we're like, come on, Wyoming plus eleven is fine. That did not cash, but it didn't cash like the way like 
it seemed like a blowout, but at the same time, like Illinois was thoroughly unimpressive for like the entire first half of that game. I watched a lot of that game, and a lot of the times it was quite close. It's just that Illinois just got blown out near the end, and and I think that a lot of people are now saying that that Wyoming is just not it doesn't it's not too deep at every position. Like you don't have two FPS athletes at every position, and you know what? Maybe that's fine. But guess what? That doesn't mean Illinois is amazing now, right? I, like. Yeah, one- one other thing on that, I, I forgot about this, but somebody made the point that um, actually over the summer, uh, Illinois actually had like a casting call for backup quarterbacks. They were like that low at quarterbacks. So um, forgot about that. Remembered it now. I didn't bet Wyoming. I, feel like I, I think I said that was a play, but I consider myself warned, especially since I got blown up by a team that's getting three, you know, at Bloomington. That That's a match I'm going to look now at. I, I, I think... It's a bit iffy. I'm. I'd love to fade Illinois. I. I don't know if I'm going to do it this week or not. I have to look a little bit more at Indiana and and some stuff. I still the model is my model is still not functioning yet, but like Il, Il, Indiana minus three is looking that looks pretty attractive. I'd have to say I, I don't hate that look right now at this point. Yeah, I just one piece of advice before we move on. Um, if you're going to look closer at Indiana, take some no-dos. Um, <laughs> we'll just say that. Okay. Uh, still within the market intelligence panel, Western Kentucky is giving 16 and a half uh, to Hawaii. The, the total is 67.5, which is interesting, um, considering that they gave up 27 points to Austin P. Um, you know, what sticks out to me is, you know, they have a new DC, and I think clearly they had some problems. You shouldn't be giving up that many points to Austin P. And this implies, you know, that if I do the math here real quick, Hawaii is projected to score 25, and... Based on what I saw on Saturday, they didn't look like they're going to score 25 for the whole month of September. So interesting. Clearly, the market is not a believer in the Western Kentucky defense. I th- this is an interesting line for me. Um, I I saw this at first. I think on sun on late Saturday night, and every basically every single time I've looked at this line since it's moved a point to Western Kentucky. It was 14 and a half. Then like on Monday, it was like 15 and a half. Today, it's 16 and a half. No idea where it's going to end up on Saturday. Uh, but it, it's the thing of it is, though, like Hawaii didn't look bad. I feel like that loss was not as bad as it it seemed. Like, yeah, OK, when you see Vanderbilt putting up, what was it, 58 or 60 some odd points? I can't remember. It looks really bad. But at the same time, there was stuff like, oh, random pick scoop and score. Like there was a lot of just piling it on. Like this was not like their quarterback mm-hmm. was still not very good. Hawaii's defense, not particularly good. Their offense was doing stuff, but I feel like they were just in desperation mode the entire, like, second half. And I feel like, like, just watching and, like, they were just basically so many drops, like, passes right on someone, just a complete drop. I don't think it was fair. The other thing is the fact that I looked at that Western Kentucky game. They had four. They, they Austin P turned the ball over four times. They had four recovered fumbles. If you need four recovered fumbles <laughs> to beat Austin P yeah. by what twelve? I think so. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, they're in Hawaii. Try, try repeating that on the road, right? I yeah, guess they're on. Thing. They're on the road in Hawaii. I, I don't know. Like, let's see where this. I'm interested to see. Like, will this be twenty one on 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 sun on like on Sunday Saturday morning? It could be. This could be something kind of interesting. Like, I don't think. Uh, this could be a line I'm looking at. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look at this line, and we'll, we'll get there when we get there. I don't think Hawaii is that bad, but I also I think it's more a play against Western Kentucky. Like Bailey Zap is gone, right? Bailey Zap is somehow a New England Patriot. Um, 
like I don't, and that that's not a knock on um, Bailey Zapp by the way. I actually I like I like Bailey Zapp. It's just weird that he's a New England Patriot. You think he'd be some other team, but no, it's I I'm not. I'm not. I'm not loving this Western Kentucky team. So that's that's a line I'm looking at as we get. Let's let's see if this gets to like 20 or so. I'm gonna look at this line a lot. God bless you for that. Um, not on TV here in the states, and I think it's probably better that way. Um, <clears throat> Virginia Tech giving seven and a half at Old Dominion. Uh, I made my case earlier before the season started about Old Dominion, how I like them. This is interesting. It's it's almost gotten past the line that stinks out loud. It's just like mm, what's going on here. What I really like about this, too, aside from the whole case I made about Old Dominion, is a very interesting matchup here in that you've got the head coach of Old Dominion, Ricky Ronnie, um, is from Penn State, as is the new defensive coordinator at uh, Virginia Tech, Brett Pry. And I've seen this happen before sometimes where you've got the new coach at the new program and the opposing team or coach knows better than new coach's team what he's trying to do. Um, I think that's pretty there's that some of that's got to be baked into the line um you know i thought that this game is gonna be closer to 14 when i was looking at the schedule you know before the season and i think that's some compression in that line yeah the fact that it isn't higher is is a major red flag to me i actually jumped on this line already eight i got it eight and a half yesterday now it's down to seven i got it i'm like should i bet this and i'm like well it's probably fine like no one's probably going to bet it, but you know what? I have to, I may as well just place the bet now, and then I've gotten already a point of closing line value. But yeah, th- this is the same kind of feeling as that Nevada-New Mexico State line. And yes, we didn't get the win there, but like we probably should have, right? Yeah, like, I mean, we'll we, we all that. saw that pick that was never reviewed for some reason. Like, mm-hmm. that, that probably should have been a New Mexico State cover, possibly even a win if a couple of weird things didn't happen, right? So, yeah, no, I... I that that's another trap line. And I, I'm happy that I call, like that was, we were clearly right in saying there was a trap line, although it didn't pay off. We'll get that eventually. And then this is a, this is a very clear opportunity for us to, to get that one back. But yeah, I actually yeah. kind of do like old dominion. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Um, fun game to watch. I think that's on Friday too. So <clears throat> this yeah, is, it is yeah. Georgia state getting only 13 at South Carolina, um, kind of short for a, a Sunbelt team on the road. And I bring that up because, You've got North Carolina is, I think, favored only by one at App State now. And then the week after, they're at Georgia State. Just interesting data point for game to keep an eye on uh, a week from Saturday when when Carolina is that Georgia, Georgia State team that clearly the market has some belief in. Um, what else we got here still in the market intelligence? Arizona, we mentioned this a little bit in one of the preseason pods, you know, getting only six at San Diego State. San Diego State opening up. Brand new stadium, San Diego State now, since that podcast, having some turmoil with the shakeout from the rape allegations against Matt Arisa and how they handled that. Arizona getting only six, and uh, I think their season win total was two and a half or three. I know San Diego State's was eight or eight and a half, depending on where you shop. And yeah. I think this is kind of instructed on instructive on where both teams are headed and might, might end up. Yeah, that's the thing. I... Um... This is a line I might look at. I'm like, the thing of it is, the Bills I think handled it as best they could. They didn't know if it was going to come out, and then when it came out, they got rid of Matariza. They cut him, Riza. Did they know probably beforehand? Yeah, probably. 
does it matter? No. I mean, you've got Deshaun Watson running around there, right? Like, I don't think they, they did what they did. And I'm okay with the way the Bills handle the situation. It's good that he's not on the team. That's fine. That being said, though, San Diego State definitely would have known about this a lot earlier because they were actually investigating the situation. So they like they have no excuse for why they didn't deal with this a long time ago. Yeah. And I yeah, I'm not. We've we've had concerns about this program, and again, the thing of it is, if 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 Riza and some of the other ones were carrying the team in that case, then maybe that's why they were like, yeah, we're not going to really look into this too much. So, yeah, I I don't hate the idea of Arizona here. Again, this is this is dare I say it a must win for Arizona to go over their season win total. I don't know if I see plus six. I think that um, this kind of speaks that they're going to have you know ch- more chances than we think to to do. Well in the Pac-12, not not a bowl, but you know probably better than a lot of people are expecting. Next game that's interesting to me: BYU only giving 12 at South Florida. Why do I bring this up? Remember my whole South Florida scenario where I said just let them like stealthily just kind of do whatever and get ready to keep an eye on that game versus East Carolina in Week Five. Um, this is interesting. I you know I had anticipated this line would be closer to maybe 19 or 20. I don't know what your thoughts are. Does that kind of seem reasonable to you? I've actually, I've actually run. This is actually fascinating because I actually have this on my model. So, I, as you know, I, I've, I, my model isn't updated for this year because there's just too much variability with a lot of quarterbacks and, and how these teams are constructed. So, I basically, in my, in my, for my model, if these two teams met in a bowl, I would have BYU. This line is perfect, exactly where I said it. I said it BYU minus twelve. Now, that is probably wrong because at the same time, BYU has now had an entire year to get better. Right, a lot of these guys are still young. Like their quarterback, that was that was his first year as a starting quarterback. Now yeah. it's his second year. The team's gotten a lot better. They've been like they they actually lost a couple people um, into the NFL back in uh, in 2021. Now they've restocked these guys. So like, yeah, like although my model says 12, it's definitely like a, that's probably the the kind of floor here. So I actually I don't hate BYU. Also, South Florida usually doesn't start the season too well. So yeah, I don't hate that. Kind of my plan there, too. Like I said, just let them I, – I thought they would just get crushed in this game and then in week five have some value on there. So hoping that that happens. Um, good luck to Jeff Scott. Last one in the market intelligence panel. Um, this is interesting. Rutgers getting only seven at Boston College. Um, Boston College gets Phil Dracovic back, back. And you know, Rutgers has been, I think, better, clearly better than when Shiano took over, although still kind of the, the rent of the East. This line seems short to me, not enough for me to bet, but I'm not sure if this is telling me that Rutgers is going to pose, you know, a challenge to some of the other lower teams in the Big Ten um, or if Boston College is in for a rough season. Yeah, that that's interesting. I just if, if I were to like. I, I'm not going to bet this for the simple reason. If I bet Rutgers in this game and then Rutgers loses by 20, I'm going to feel really bad. So I'm just not going to do that. We're just going to skip that part of this. But no, it's it's a game I'm going to definitely see the result of. Because again, like when you see some of these teams, like, yeah, okay, I don't want to bet this game, but I definitely want to know if Rutgers is able to put up a fight and or if Boston College puts up a fight, right? Like this, this is kind of the thing with um, uh, the, the Nebraska-Northwestern game. We're going to talk obviously a lot more about what happened specifically, but there's kind of two takeaways you could take away from that game, right? Nebraska won. I'm oh, sorry, Northwestern won. Sorry, Northwestern won, right? They beat Nebraska. So at this point, either both of them are bad and Northwestern is a slightly better team than the worst Nebraska team, or both these teams are kind of good, right? So now based off of next results, so like next week, I'm not sure. Who, I'm not even sure who Northwestern plays. Nebraska plays a bunch of D2 or kind of P5, Power 5 schools. Um, 
or yeah, group of five schools. But like if Northwestern goes out and like does something, I don't know who they play next, but if they actually do something against like Wisconsin or like Michigan state or something, then you're like, Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe, uh, yeah. maybe Northwestern isn't that bad. And then you kind of drag Nebraska along in tow. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Kind of validate the effort. Exactly. And now that's just one example of it. It's probably a much better example using like say Rutgers and Boston college here, but that's the thing, right? If this game is competitive, it means they're both equal. And if one of them upsets someone, then the other team's not that far behind. Yeah. Agree. Um, all right. So the next panel, we referred this, I think it is in the last uh, podcast, the brand-based market inertia, BBMI as I call it. So this is where I'm seeing a not movement in the market, and it's probably because the market's got a little attachment to the branding of some of these um, some of these teams. Uh, New Mexico State, the line really has not moved significantly. Uh, they're still getting 36 and a half or around that uh, at Minnesota. What's interesting to me is you hit on this a little bit, and just to go into a little more detail, if you saw that game, it was really a game of two quarterbacks uh, on the Mexico State sideline. One game is a really small sample size for QB+, but it's instructive, if not precise. So the starter from New Mexico State, Diego Pavia, who apparently won the Junior College National Championship last season and might be better served in junior college, than where he is now, he had a QB plus of negative 98, which is just kind of light as bending on how bad you are at that point. Uh, his replacement, Gavin Frakes, interestingly, I don't know how Jerry Kill does this, but he talked this kid out of going to Princeton in favor of New Mexico State. That's not something you see every day, and that's a hell of a job recruiting. And Frakes had a QB plus of 149. Um, and if you just saw it, it was very, very different. They actually could pass the ball. When Pavia was in there, it was just, you know, your your typical kind of what I was expecting. Apologies, since you're a Florida guy, Florida fan at least. What I'm kind of thinking it sounds like Billy Napier is going to do with Anthony Richardson was just run, 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 and maybe throw and hope. Um, you know, so just a very different team. Their defense looked good. They don't have the biggest, best guys, but they don't make mistakes. When the other team gashed him, it was just because they were bigger and stronger. Um no respect, and maybe it's just because we've talked about this before. Um, at some point, the point spread doesn't really mean anything. You're just kind of betting on how much Team A is going to run it up, and that by, might be the case here. But I think there could some, be some inertia uh, attached to Mexico State, so I am definitely keeping an eye on them. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota loves running the ball. Are they really going to, like, if you, like, at, the question is, at what point, like, does New Mexico State score enough points? Is it is 14 points enough to cover this? Right? Like, that's the thing. 14 points would mean that New Mexico would have to maybe you have to be 50 to 14, right? Is Minnesota really going to run the ball down the field for 50 points? Really? Like, do they care? Right? Like, the thing of it is, if you're up that much and you're running, you're just going to be like, cool, we're just going to okay, we're going to run the ball like two times for a new down and each time we're going to burn like 30 seconds off the clock. So, right, like good luck, right? Like I I don't, like it is hard to see them. Like I I don't think Minnesota is going to kind of do want or even kind of want to cover this massive spread. I think they're just going to be like, yeah. But the thing is at the same time, it's still iffy. I'm not, I'm not in love with this spread though, but I, it definitely could be that that could be the kind of game we're seeing. Yeah, I, I'm not going to bet this one. Like I said, I'm just going to – it makes me even more tuned to Mexico State. Um, at that point, you know, line's this big. You're betting on how long are the starters going to come in. You know, how much is the new OC going to want to stretch his legs versus keep the playbook closed? You know, not not my kind of stuff to bet on. 
the next BBMI, um, Florida Atlantic, uh, only giving four at Ohio. Florida Atlantic, um, they had an underrated offense last season, and I know that I said Charlotte's defense is terrible, and they are, but uh, their offense looked really, really good. You know, Nikosi Perry really looked like a guy who's thriving in Conference USA in a conference win. Um, they just blew out Charlotte, and they have an offense. Todd Orlando, former USC defensive coordinator, landed at uh, FAU after they dispatched Mike Stoops, who you know had last been seen ruining Oklahoma's chances at the 2017 national title. Um, I think that there's a lot there. Florida Atlantic actually had a really, really good defense in 2020. They had Jim Levitt as a DC. He got hired away by SMU. I, I really am going to keep my eye on Florida Atlantic. I actually played this one um, yesterday and I'm very confident in it. Ohio is, was really, really bad. Like coaches, I don't know how long he's for the program. He's a new coach that came on the end of last summer. Um, this looks like an easy line to me. I like this one. Um, oh. uh, last, go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, I, I actually kind of agree. I watched a bit of that game. Um, that team, like the that Florida Atlantic team is actually not that bad. It's, it's again, it's Miami of Ohio. Um, so not a particularly, uh, yeah, like I, I don't hate that line at all. I think they could definitely, like it was a pretty solidly good game out of them. And, I yeah, like it was a good game on all fronts. Like it wasn't just like they like they were good on offense, they were good on defense. Yeah, just a full round good package, and that's what you're looking for when you're betting a team like this. So yeah, give me the owls. Yeah, the owls. Let's give me give me the owls. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Last instance of BBMI. Um, NC State only giving twelve at East Carolina. I think that. um, There's a little bit of attachment to East Carolina in terms of their nice little story that they made a bowl last year. I think this should be closer to 20 than 12. Curious if you're of the same mindset on that. Yeah, I, I don't particularly love this game at all. I, I, I like, I don't want to touch this, but yeah, I think this should probably be a bigger line. Like I, you like this East Carolina team will randomly do this. They'll be like, Oh, like I remember a game with them and it was, East Carolina versus something. I can't remember who it was. It was the early game. It was in, like the week one game last week, last year. And it was like, it was a spread exactly like this. I think it was like 11, 11 and a half. And they got crushed and it wasn't even close at all. And I, I like, if I was thinking of betting this, I just have flashbacks to that game. I can't remember who they played, but it was something like, it was a team from like the South. I can't remember if it was like, nor NC. I don't think it was NC. Actually, no one. Wow, we have the magic of the internet in front of us. Let's let's look this up. But no, I, I kind of agree. This should be a bigger spread. I, I would think this is a bigger spread. I, I like I don't think this is eleven. I think this is like this should definitely be a lot bigger. So I, I, I actually completely agree with that with that statement. Yeah. Where you put this at twenty? I would have it around twenty. Yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe nineteen, just short of twenty, just kind of short of a key number there. I'm not gonna bet it, but and it's it's not it's not small enough to be this line stinks. This just makes me think that there's just, you know, people are seeing Cinderella story 2.0 for East Carolina. Um, Appalachian they, state. That's who it was. Yeah. Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, right? They lost 33, 19. The spread was like 11. So this is the thing, right? They have a, like the hat, the time, anytime East, East Carolina plays someone good, like they lost against South Carolina. Well, actually not a lot by last year, but they lost to Houston in OT, but like, yeah, they just have a, a nasty habit of not keeping it close against teams that they should be competitive with. So, yeah. 
All right, so that's the BBMI. The next panel is my top QBs, and again, this is a week zero, so it's very small uh, sample size, but interesting here. Uh, top quarterback, Doug Bremfeld of UNLV. Uh, number two, Jordan Travis of Florida State, and third is Nkosi Perry of Florida Atlantic. FAU we talked about, Florida State played Duquesne. I'm not interested in that. Doug Bremfeld, number one, interesting. First of all, he got the start over Harrison Bailey, who really stunk somehow. Uh, they played a really, really, really bad and overmatched Idaho State defense. But this was um, by far the best game of the Marcus Arroyo era. I have seen way too much of it, but it was great to see. They actually had um, concepts on offense that were working and were being executed, which we hadn't seen before. It was just a pleasure, and it was a little bit of validation on my end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so first things first, I had no idea that was how you pronounced Florida State's opponents. I thought it was Duchesne or like Duquest or something. So yeah, so how do you say that school again? Duquesne. Duquesne. Okay. Good to know. You know? Did you see Shawshank Redemption? No. Okay. That's probably why then. Because everybody is twenty years younger than me, and nobody's seen the movies that I've seen. Okay. No. Here's the thing, though. It's actually not a bad idea. So like for Jordan Travis, though. That's what I'm keeping my eye on because a lot of people are saying LSU, LSU over Florida, like um, over Florida State. That's the uh, Sunday night game because we don't have football this week. We don't have NFL football. We have college football. So there is no there's no NFL on Sunday. So we get this 730 ABC Florida State LSU game. And the more I'm looking at it, the more I'm kind of thinking that I don't hate Florida State plus three because this team was actually not bad last year, but LSU was actually really bad. And to the point where it, it raised questions as to how much talent this LSU team actually had. And while Brian Kelly is a very good coach, I question whether or not he could pull that around in six months or so. So like you can't just well, actually you can with the with the transfer portal, but like it's still hard to like just magic people into existence that are like good at playing football. So I I'm maybe I'm looking at Florida State and that that's kind of interesting that he was one of the best QBs. Now I'm looking at this. He actually only had 15 passing attempts, went 11 for 15 against a division two school that I didn't even know how to pronounce the name of. So not great, but not bad either. But yeah, no, uh, FAU again, same kind of thing, Florida Atlantic. So kind of, that's not bad at all. Yeah. Um, my top receivers, this is based on that yards above, above replacement where we say anybody can run a five yard pattern catch the ball and fall down. <clears throat> Excuse me. So who had the most yards um, above that five yards per reception? Number one, Ricky White at UNLV. Um, very encouraging again for UNLV, although it was against Idaho State. Stay tuned on that. Number two and number four, I'm going to put together Tyron Smith at UTEP and Ronaldo Flores of UTEP. Uh, when I made my case for UTEP, I remember, you might remember, I said, I think that they will find another person who will be explosive. Dana Dimmel's kind of in that mode where he's been around Kansas State and he knows how to kind of find the next one and get him in there. And Tyron Smith actually had a better yards per reception than Cowing did last year, Cowing, who's now at Arizona. So that was encouraging. And then number three, just to fill the gap there, gentleman named Daywood Davis of Western Kentucky. Uh, Have not heard of him. Interesting that um, Western Kentucky has somebody on this list. Now, they did play, I'm forgetting already, Austin P. But um, that's interesting, considering they had a complete overhaul at offense, you know, new OC, new quarterback, um, you know, maybe some remnants there um, at Western Kentucky that, um, you know, on the offense, at least, you know, clearly we, we know over their defensive problems. Um, maybe I don't didn't see the game. Maybe this is the only guy that could catch a pass. But interesting. Yeah. 
that's the thing. Apparently, we're a UNLV podcast now. <laughs> we're like rating everybody <laughs> from UNLV quite highly. But yeah, no, it's um, yeah, you the the UTEP guys weren't bad. It, it was a much worse it, that the loss looked a lot worse on paper than it actually was as well. That's another example of one. Again, they just kind of got desperate in the second half, going for it on fourth downs, losing on fourth downs, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I it's um. UTEP's gonna be an interesting team to watch. I Western Kentucky. I don't know. They're just, I don't know. Western Kentucky and Hawaii are just gonna score like a billion points. So I don't know. Let's let's see who. Let's see what happens when the dust settles there. I don't know what's gonna happen on whenever this game finally ends. My my thing. Well, actually, my uh my sports book actually has it happening on Friday. Um, because it doesn't understand that games happen at midnight, so it thinks that it's yeah. like midnight. Or no, actually, my my game has it happening on Monday. Sorry, my game because it, it thinks for midnight is actually on like midnight on Monday rather than on Sunday. But it's like we're gonna be up to like day, yeah. or on Sunday, so we're gonna be up to like I don't know three a.m. Well, on the East Coast, you're you're just gonna be like, oh, it's ten ten o'clock. You should go to bed now. But we're gonna on the, on the East Coast, we're gonna be to like three a.m. watching Western Kentucky and Hawaii just keep scoring points against each other. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be like again, everything's done by then, right? Like the only other game is gonna be Boise State Oregon, but like they're gonna be an hour and a half into their game before this game even yeah. kicks off. So, yeah, gonna be a that's gonna be an interesting game there. Yep. I definitely agree. Um, next panel, my future bets. The one I'm feeling the best about, UNLV over four. The one I'm feeling worst about, UTEP to win the Conference USA. I'm I'm very encouraged by the UTEP offensive showing. Um, they really just shot themselves in the foot a lot. You know, you can't lose your first conference game against a team like North Texas, though. Um, and they're you know they complete less than fifty percent of their passes too. So I think there's clearly they have some explosiveness um, at wide receiver. They've got the guy that can throw it. I think they're just kind of adjusting to life without Jacob Cowan, and hopefully they can just kind of get past that. Yeah. And we are UNLV pod, like you said. So that's that's like four panels we've talked about them. Yeah, you're a, you're you're a fifth of the way there to the to the UNLV over already. <laughs> yes. Um, then the last panel. Um, I've got three names here for the coaches the coaches on the hottest hot seats, and number one, Scott Frost. Let's just put a pin in that. That is its own discussion. And to be honest with you, part of the appeal of the dashboard here was to keep us from you know, spending 60 minutes on Scott Frost and how awesome he is. Number two, Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. I actually would have had Collins at one because it was just a foregone conclusion that he he's not going to do it this year and he's just going to be gone. But Scott Frost just grabbed that conch and said, no, I'm, I'm running this island now. And then third, of course, Brian Harson. Um, you know, uh, like you, I think you characterized it as a soft launch at a, at a coup. So we'll get the real thing probably in a few months, especially since, interestingly enough, their AD re- resigned um, just before the start of the football season and got he got um, great tweets of appreciation from the athletic director at Tennessee who said, yeah, the Auburn job sucks. It's dysfunction. Congratulations on hanging in there that long. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. Great. Get candidates for turnover. I think that we're going to see all three of these guys gone. Um, definitely by the first of the year. It's it's a I it's it's amazing that two of these guys haven't played a game yet and they're already on the hot seat. I mean, it's fair. Like we we know it, but it's just, it's like Scott Frost played a game, did horribly. Yeah, he's on the hot seat. Yeah, these guys we know they're gonna get fired. <laughs> we're just gonna put them on the hot seat before they even play a game. Uh, yeah, completely right on that. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see next week. We'll have to see who gets on the hot seat. I'm actually like, 
like in the past, like I've actually been pretty good at feeling out when a coach will like, it's like last year I called Mullen getting fired. So obviously I'll start at maybe next week. I'll, once we see some of the week one results, I'll start adding a couple names to this and we'll see if I'm, if I can call some people in the hot seat. But yeah, these three are definitely gone. Like Scott Frost. Um, again, it was, it's, I'm not sure when it was announced. It was announced probably months ago, but his bio is halved on October 2nd, which is random, but whatever. His bio then go, falls by half to seven point, on only $7.5 million, an affordable $7.5 million. Um, so then at that point, then they can get rid of him. And I suspect that's exactly what will happen very soon into the, very soon after that. They play Oklahoma, I think, the next week. And if that game is a bloodbath, then yeah, that, like if they lose by 40, that's the, okay, you're gone. That's, I think that's, that's that game. If I would, if I had to hazard a guess. Um, all right, so now I think we've now finally reached Nebraska, so we can we talk about what happened in that game. Um, what what are your thoughts on on what happened there? Did you, did you actually for Ozzy, did you watch that game? Oh, of course. I mean, that was that was must see TV. It really um, was. You know, there's there, uh, there's so much that's been said so far, so I'm I'm not going to just relive everything. The one thing that sticks out to me is there's been so many quantifications and just, you know, great explanations of just how bad that was and just how bad he is. In particular, that game, you know, I kind of feel like as a numbers guy, I can't do it justice. There's a movie that came out in the 90s called Contact, and it's about, um, did you see it? Matthew McConaughey and um, Jodie Foster. So I didn't see it, no. It's it's about you know the United States are trying to send somebody to uh, another galaxy, and one of the big plot lines is who's going to be the astronaut that actually gets to do it, and it ends up Jodie Foster ends up getting to make the intergalactic trip. So halfway through her journey, she goes through this wormhole, and it's all crazy. And there's a, a moment of silence, and she comes across the the, the distant galaxy for the first time, and she just starts weeping, and because she's a scientist and astronaut, she just says there are no words. They should have sent a poet. And I think that we're at that point where Scott Frost is getting so artful with his losses that we need a poet. We don't even need a football person to describe how awesome his losses are. We just don't have the lexicon just to, 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 to describe just how great these losses are. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So, this, is, this is truly insane. Like, we've just reached an absolute absurd <laughs> stage in this. Like, and again... Obviously, a lot. So, on on one hand, before we get into this, I do kind of want to say that maybe we are being a little unfair to Scott Frost here because normally, when Nebraska messes up horribly and loses a game in spectacular fashion, usually there's other games happening that are far more intriguing. So we it kind of gets paper over. We're like, oh yeah, like oh uh, Georgia was it looked amazing against against another SEC team, and also Nebraska lost somehow, even though they're up 18. So like it just kind of gets papered over. But there was nothing. They're like unless you are watching Western Kentucky versus Austin P, which I guess if you live in Kentucky or wherever Austin P is, I guess maybe you're watching that game. But if you were anywhere else, you were watching this game, and it was I like this is fully on display for this for the entire country, and and I'm in Canada, so obviously Canada to see. And and this is the thing, it like the quarterback was good. Casey Thompson was great. The the thing that everybody's going to raise is the onside kick which was completely pointless and insane. He basically said after the game, so they they went up 11 in the third, so there's 24 minutes left in the game, and then they elected to do an onside kick, which was surprising to everybody and apparently even surprising to people on Nebraska special teams because they didn't act like it was, a, it was an onside kick until the guy had the ball. <laughs> and 
the thing of it is, he he said after the game, he's like, oh, I I thought if we could recover that onside kick, then we could score and we could put the game out of reach. And like, it, that's a fair point because like we all remember in the national championship game when Georgia went up two scores and then they were like, all right, we, we, they went for the onside kick and then got it and scored against Alabama to put the game. Like that never happened. That's insane. Like that's acting like if you're like a massive underdog and you need a, a, a special play that no one's expecting to, you were eleven point favorites. Like, you can't be, you. I mean, obviously you can be more favored in games, but, like, it's hard to be more favored than that in a game. You are better at every single position. Your quarterback is way better. The A dot on the other guy was, like, five yards. For, the, for, the, for Northwestern's quarterback, it's, like, five yards. Like, it's absolutely insane that they thought they needed this. If you're the better team, you don't need to do stuff like this. You can, if they score, good. You go down this field and score again. That's because you're the better team. And oh, the thing wait, of it is... He, they oh. weren't covering, so they needed to score. No, they, I'm joking. <laughs> I mean, actually, when I when I first saw that, I'm like, does he have Northwestern plus 11 and a half? That's like literally I was like, is that what he has? Like, does he bet Northwestern? He's like, we're winning by too much. We need to give them a couple points. Like, we, we got to make sure we, we Northwestern yeah. covers the spread here. But like, no, like we've always described this Nebraska team and we've always said like, ah, oh, well, they're, they're good. But like, they just keep losing these close games. And we, we're like, oh, it's these, they lose these close games. And we talk about and again in this podcast and in other people, too. The analytics guys, they always talk about like regression to the mean and mean like luck regression and all this stuff. And and usually those are fundamental principles in football that work, right? If a team gets a lot of turnover luck in one season, it'll regress the next season. If they have uh if they have they lose a lot of close games one season, then they'll regress and it'll become either either equal or maybe they'll win more one score games the next season. But this keeps happening. It just keeps happening with this team. And the thing of it is, I'm starting to like change my opinion on it. I always thought that this was like a good team that was like being unlucky. I'm starting to think that these are really good athletes that are just being let down by a bad coach. And I think that's where we're at now. Like we have to say this Nebraska team is talented. Casey Thompson was great. Somehow he only threw for one passing touchdown. I don't know how that even happened. He he was looked amazing. Somebody only had one passing touchdown. But he still looked amazing even though even just with that. But they're just being let down by the team. They're being let down by the coaching. And eventually that will change. And I think Nebraska is going to be okay, but they just need to get rid of Scott Frost. And, and that's that's where we're at with this Nebraska team. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, getting back to your to your point, I'll, I'll circle back to that in a second. But the, the thing this loss had, it seemed like it had all the elements of just a, a great Scott Frost lost. Scott Frost loss. It was in spectacular fashion. It wasn't like a Jeff Collins thing where it's like, we're going to lose by 20. And it'll be boring football because nobody wants to see just, you know, one person get murdered with his hands tied behind his back. Spectacular. It just, you know, classic Scott Frost. There was hope. There was belief. Then there was a horrible decision. Um, you know, I, I joke that he just maybe Frost just made Frost just made a horrible decision because he wanted Narduzzi to feel like he was back at home with Whipple and just, you know, had just this crazy coaching decision that threw everybody off their feet. You know, you have the special teams disaster, which is just so unique to them. And just it, it's just their thing in week zero. And then you've got the, the body language from the sideline just puts the entire team in pucker mode. This is what's amazing. Through the first three quarters, Casey Thompson's QB plus was plus 176 elite in the fourth quarter. As you see, you know, Frost is just totally puckering and his face is just turning into just, you know, like he's watched somebody be murdered. Thompson's QB plus was negative 93. Just, you know, to your point, are they being let down by the coaches? Yeah. I think it's, it's more proactive than that where you've got the coaches basically just giving off a vibe from the very top of like, here we go again. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, right? I mean, 
again, we were watching this five, like from an entire continent away, right? How were you? How do you feel if you're Casey Thompson, right? How how do you feel if you're sitting yeah. there and you're like? What the heck is he doing? We I we just went down the field. We just scored again. We're up eleven. What are like punt, punt kick it deep. Make yeah. them go eighty yards. We're I'm a be, I'm better than their guy. I'm a better quarterback than their guy. I can throw the like he had that amazing play where he was like come like he was he was done. He he was basically caught by the the, the defense. Scrambled around, threw it like fifty yards down the field. Just an amazing play. He he, he Casey Thompson looked amazing. He looked yeah. And again, the thing is, like he came from Texas. They get good people, and the fact that he even went to Nebraska shows you that this school still has potential in the future. Like once they get rid of Scott Frost, if they get to actually have decent coach in there, this team might actually be good because they're still recruiting at an elite level somehow through a miracle, I guess. But this is the thing. Like they're at this point where like. I just it, it's they're being let down by bad coaching and bad leadership. And maybe if if you get Whipple, if if Scott Frost is gone and Whipple gets a battlefield promotion, maybe uh, maybe this team can actually do something this year. Um, now the question is though. So the next three games, obviously. Um, so actually, they play this week and they play North Dakota, not mm-hmm. North Dakota State. North Dakota, there's a difference, uh, obviously a difference. And then they play Georgia Southern next week, and then they play Oklahoma. Then they play Oklahoma on, uh, then they play Oklahoma uh, September seventeenth. Do we dare bet against them with either North Dakota or Georgia Southern? Like, is it like, are we at a point where that might be worth? Like, what is the what's the spread going to be? Right, like what what's the spread going to be with that when they're playing? North Dakota, like what? What could that spread pro- yeah. probably be? Right, like it's well, got to be what? The, well, I, I, forty yeah. something like that. Um, like, is that um, worth it? Well, after last week, I, I don't know. I think the analog la- is is last year. You know, they actually covered against Fordham at home by forty two. Um, one of these is going to be like that. But um, it, I agree with that. But at the same point in time, are we not looking at like full rebellion? Like, are they not being like, screw this, we're done? Like, uh, I don't know if it's rebellion is just as much as like, can we get just play 60 minutes of football without somebody just crapping the bed on the sidelines? Um, I don't know if it's like, I hate my coach. It's just more like, I hate my coach melting down. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I think there's just, there's just too much of disparity with North Dakota, Georgia Southern. That's not going to happen. Georgia Southern is in a bad spot. Um, Scott Frost versus Clay Hilton is just an elite level of, of horrible coaching. We got to say, so it can't be in those two games. Um, you know, Oklahoma, I mean, I don't know who knows what to make of Oklahoma. We won't know until, until that game, right? Because yeah. it's going to like, I don't even know what the spread of that game is going to be. What is the spread of that? Because the thing of it is, like, sure, like Nebraska lost Northwestern, but like they did it in close fashion. Like that yeah. spread could be seven and a half, and like I don't know if you want to bet Oklahoma minus seven and a half. Like I, I don't know. You might not want to. You might be like, I don't know. Like, yeah. Like that's the thing, right? Like they could cover that and lose, like in a yeah. horrific way, right? So, yeah, they're just radioactive. I just, I couldn't. I'd probably bet on New Mexico State against Minnesota before I I I try to bet on any Nebraska game. It just you're just you're just it's just rolling the dice at that point. You don't know are they really going to make it 60 minutes you know without a screw up? It's kind of like betting on somebody's sobriety. You know, can they make it through this week without having a drink? It's it's kind of like that. 
it's that like you know you, you just don't know what's going to set somebody off um yeah just i don't know it's it's must watch tv and it's must not bet games for yes, me definitely must not bet territory <laughs> there um that, that actually does remind me so i'm not sure if you have it in your book but on my book we're finally getting um cultural player props um so we actually had a bunch i had there was player props for this game i didn't touch them um just because my model isn't set up yet but when it when it is ready for next week i'll have player props for literally everything i'll have rushing yards for rushing yards receiving yards all that stuff but um there's already player props like for example i've already taken a shot at uh, Aiden O'Connell over two and a half passing touchdowns against Penn State. A little iffy on that, but I'm getting plus 145, so I'll take it. That's not bad. Yeah. Um, if you so yeah, a couple of them are filtering out. Which this is recording this on Tuesday, so we're still missing a lot. But from the looks of it, it's seeming like every like Division One Power Five school will have props no matter who they're playing. So like for example, Notre Dame Ohio State is included in that. But like if you're if it's like Memphis Boise, I don't think you're gonna get player props. That, but like that's mm-hmm. it though, right? Like so, it, but that again. So you're like, oh no, I can only bet on player props on Big Ten, SEC, Big Twelve, Pac twelve, ACC games. Oh no, right? So like, there's a lot of like, for example, uh, you could get C.J. Stroud over three and a half passing touchdowns against Notre Dame at plus one forty five. That's not bad hedging for like uh, a blowout. That's not bad at all. Yeah. So yeah. like I'm there some of these are really cool and like I'm not messing with passing yards yet. I'm, I'm I'll go with passing touchdowns and such, but yeah, I'll I'm gonna start looking at a couple of these props and we're gonna talk more about those starting next week. Uh do you have access to these or not? Yeah, I um I don't have uh player props on my on my book. Oh. Yeah. My guy doesn't mess around. He's he's kinda meat and potatoes. That's fair. The thing of it is, it is interesting though. It, it's an evolving market, right? Like, and again, player props are really popular. Apparently, they're really popular for the NFL, and now they're expanding. We're starting to see them more for college, and even for some of my esports. Like, there was never before this year, there was never uh, player props for Call of Duty, and now there have been. And I've made quite a lot of money betting on some of them. So yeah, like this is this is a rapidly growing field of 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 games because a lot of times people don't want to bet like a plus three and a half. They'll be like, I want this guy to get over fifty yards or something, right? So it's a rapidly growing thing, and and I think eventually you'll maybe your guy will will get them eventually. We'll see. Um, yeah. Or betting will betting in in California will take off. All right, so let's take a look at a couple other games. Um. Oh, actually, so we have some other games here. So. Uh, we actually just mentioned this one, Notre Dame at Ohio State. So right now, this line, when we talked about it before on the podcast, the line was 14 and a half. It's now 17. Um, I think it's 17 and a half, some books too, depending. Lines are all, it's weird. Lines are all over the place. Like I'm seeing like someone's quoting a line and like that's a deadline. That line is old. So like a lot of lines are all over the place. Not like, not like 10 point difference or something, but like sometimes they're a point or two off somewhere. But this line is 17, and the George, it's kind of similar to the Georgia. It's actually the exact same line as Georgia-Oregon. Um, Both are 17. and But, but interestingly enough, though, Georgia's plus 600 of the money line. Notre Dame, or Oregon's plus 600. Notre Dame's plus 550. So it's fascinating to me that functionally what the lines are saying is that Notre Dame has an equal chance to beat Georgia. Uh, Notre Dame has an equal chance to beat Ohio State than Oregon does to beat Georgia. And that seems wrong to me. Does, doesn't that seem weird to you? Like, you're looking at one of what's supposed to be, Georgia's supposed to be one of the best teams in the country, has an equal chance of losing to Oregon, a team that lost their head coach, did lose their quarterback, 
they have an equal chance. And, and again, Georgia is supposed to be one of the best teams. They're supposed to be a college football playoff team, but Oregon is not, they're not even favored to win their conference, but Ohio state is favored to beat them by as much as, uh, is Ohio state is favored to beat Notre Dame, a team that is in the top five. Doesn't that seem a little weird to you? It, it does. Um, <clears throat> you know, what's interesting too, is these are, um, the dogs are both, um, led by two first time head coaches as well. Um, what especially doesn't make sense is, you know, Oregon will, their defense will be better this season, but I don't think they'll be one of the top three defenses that Georgia plays this season. Um, just by being, by nature of being the SEC, whereas Notre Dame is by far the most difficult defense that Ohio state will play this season. Um, I just don't, I think that Notre Dame's defense will be elite. I think I had him like top 10 last season and, and I know that they are going to be among the most improved based off the the um, the current year improvement metric for their defense. Um, and plus, you've got Marcus Freeman, you know, running the show. So I think that's going to be even more of a focus. Um, yeah, it doesn't make sense. I guess it's it's odd in that I'm I'm very comfortable in you know I guess. I'm comfortable in Notre Dame's ability to slow down Ohio State, but not necessarily stop. Whereas Oregon, even though they're they're facing a lesser offense in Georgia, I just think you know, with so many new pieces um, in that road game, you know, that just it's just I could see I could easily see Oregon getting you know just just letting letting get out, getting way behind early. And I think Notre Dame's going to at least make a game of it for a while. Now you just, you know, I offensively can they keep pace with Ohio State? No. But that's just going to be more of a game. I just, yeah, I don't get to your point. These two lines being so similar. I think there's a, like, Ohio, Notre Dame has done a lot better in recent years of avoiding the big blowout against, like, because they played Clemson the last, they've played Clemson three times in the last two years. There was a time years ago where, Anytime Notre Dame played anybody elite, it was like 20-point loss. They have come a long way in terms of mitigating blowouts against the best teams. Now, and even then, like, they, in that in that 2020 uh, NFL season, they, like, the, against that really, really good Alabama team, I think they covered the 18-and-a-half, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't they? Or they came very close to it. Yeah, I think they lost by 17 that game. Yeah, they did cover. They did cover the spread, and that spread was a massive spread against. And again, that was an Alabama team that was stacked. You have Mac Jones, a current NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. You had Devontae Smith, an, an NFL wide receiver. Najee Harris, an NFL running back. Like you had that team was amazing, and a bunch of offensive linemen. Like that, then that, that Alabama team was stacked, and they kept it to a 17 point loss. I like or 17. I don't hate Notre Dame plus 17. I don't even hate something on the money line here. Like, especially on my book, because it, in my book, if you, if your team leads by 17 points, you get a cash out on the money line. So like, it just, it doesn't matter if your team goes on to lose, you just get, you get it anyway. So I don't hate that at all. Um, the other interesting thing I will say about Oregon, Georgia, I know you don't believe in, in the ducks and that's fine. But I look back at it last year, guess which quarterback Georgia beat by the less, the least last year outside of Alabama, the game they lost. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Bo Nix. It was, Bo, it was Bo Nix. Joke. So, you got it. <laughs> I know, but here, now here's the thing. Is it, is that great? No, it's not great. The thing of it is, I think the only way to beat this Georgia off, this Georgia defense is to pass against them, which is why they manhandle a lot of teams. They destroyed a lot of teams last year, because if you're yeah. a primarily rushing team, like, like Florida was, you just got destroyed. 
I think that you have to pass against this defense. And I think the, the one of the people who's going to realize that is Dan Fleming, their former defensive coordinator. So yeah. do I think, like, do I love Oregon in this game? No. Do I think they could cover 17? Maybe, right? Like, this Georgia defense is good. They lost a couple pieces, but they're still good. Yeah. I have questions on offensively. They lost George Pickens. He's he's looking amazing there in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, they lost um, James Cook. He's now a Buffalo Bill. Um, I, I'm not the biggest, like this Georgia offense could take a step back, which was already, this was already not a great Georgia offense, right? This Oregon defense is half, is half decent. I don't know. Maybe they could keep it close. We'll have to see. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I guess the other thing too, that you, you kind of came right up to it, but didn't really touch on it is, um, I don't even know who Georgia's new defensive coordinator is, but I think that there's probably a lot of Kirby smart in the defense anyways. Um, just the Georgia defense against Kenny Dillingham in, you know, his first game as offensive coordinator, depending on who you believe or don't believe, this will be the first time he's calling plays. Um, and he's got Bo Nix as his quarterback. Um, I, it's hard for me to back that, you know, that the ducks in that, in that side of that matchup. Um, especially when you're talking about, you know, just the, just the ferocious talent that Georgia has too. Um, you know, Oregon really showed a lot at Ohio State last season, but I think that was more a matter of horrible defensive coaching. I don't know if Oregon really has SEC level talent. They've recruited well, but I, you know, maybe if they were playing more a team in the old miss kind of level of the SEC than Georgia. Um, I'm not gonna bet this one, but if you, you know, if you gave me a free bet, I'd I'd bet on Georgia. Well, and that's actually an interesting point you raised about Ohio State, which is kind of why I really don't hate Notre Dame against Ohio State, because we have seen that Ohio State team, their offense just get completely shut down by half-decent defense and just splutter out. Like, we saw them struggle against Notre We saw them struggle against Oregon last year. We saw them struggle against that Michigan defense, right? Like, they, there are some games, and there was a couple other games, where CJ Stroud just did not have it. Now, will he have it against Notre Dame this year? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know, but... You're telling me you're giving me plus 500 that one of the best defensive teams they're going to play that they're just going to crush through them? That's pretty good odds, honestly. But we'll have to see. Is it is it the best bet? No. There's probably other better bets to make on the board, but not something I hate. Like, it's it would it, here's if we're sitting here next week, next Tuesday, and we're talking about how Notre Dame pulled off the upset, I'm not the most shocked. I could, I could see it. I'd be much more shocked about Oregon beating Georgia, to be honest. Yeah. Um... Yeah, we'll what, see. I'm 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 sorry, excited to see both games. What other what other games are you seeing on the board right now? Um, you, Utah. You know, I made a case for them, and I made a case against Florida um, in the preseason pod. So, I actually got Utah giving two and a half. I think it's up to three, it's three now. now. Yeah, yeah. And I think you said you might jump on it when it hits three. Yeah. So we might be arm wrestling in week one over um, well, <laughs> on this one. You can win. I can get a push. So there you go. So that's yeah, that's okay. Uh, exactly. Also, I might like it's hit three on Tuesday. I don't think that's coming. There's a lot of, like most of the money is on Utah. I might wait for three and a half. We'll have to see. Um, yeah, it, it, it might get there. I don't, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think it's getting back down to two. I don't think it's getting back down to, to two and a half. So no, I think uh, it's yeah. going to stay there. But the thing of it is, I've already bet. I already placed. I got, I, I got a draft duel, a fan duel account, and I already have. Uh, I got my bet on Florida plus two against Florida State. So I'm very happy about that. So that, that's good for like the last week of the season. So I'm good on that future. Um, we also have got uh, 
Penn State minus three and a half at Purdue. This was this was down to three for a bit, three with uh, juice on the on the plus three for Purdue. Now it's back down to three and a half. Um, I don't know. I still really like Purdue. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't trust this Penn State team. I like Aiden O'Connell. I I have him over. I have I I've bet this in money line and O'Connell over passing touchdowns. What do you think on that? Are you you're with me on that one, right? Yeah. Um. When we did the Big Ten West, I I was barely able to to come to Minnesota over Purdue to win the West. I like Purdue, and it's just because Purdue was was luckier last season, and they might regress a little bit. Um. I mean, O'Connell has a, you know O'Connell's a better quarterback. You know, if you're talking Will Levis on the road, especially. Um. I don't know. Um. I'd be curious what his best road win is. Purdue's not the, the the toughest place to play, but it's maybe sneaky tough um, venue, um, especially week one. That's interesting on the Thursday. I'm curious what that what that environment will be like. Um, that's just weird because you got a big name team, Penn State, coming in on Thursday night. I don't know if classes have started. Really interesting. Um, you know, Purdue's like oh, it seems like they're always like the early game on Big Ten <laughs> network. Yeah. The thing is, Purdue has a has a habit of knocking off really good teams. So, like, and, and randomly when no one's expecting them to. And I think there's a lot of money coming in on Penn State. So, I have this now. If this keeps cro- if this keeps uh, creaking up, then I'll, I'll I'll maybe take another swing at it. Maybe we'll see. Um, Cincinnati- I think I think I'm, I think I'm going to play that money line actually. Um, yeah, I think that's that's the play on that one. Sorry, go ahead. That's all good. Uh, I this is another one I actually really like. I really like Cincinnati. Uh, well, Cincinnati, Cincinnati uh, at plus six at Arkansas. I'm really loving Arkansas in this spot. This was seven, and I was iffy on it, but I'm a lot more solid on it. In Arkansas minus six. Uh, the thing of it was Cincinnati got blown out by Alabama, and part of that was just that they they just could not compete. Like, sure, yes, they had Desmond Ritter, who by the way looks amazing with the Fal- in a Falcon. He looks amazing with the Falcons. He actually should probably be starting week one. But again, in the NFL, there's incentives to tank. So you may as well just tank a couple games with Marcus Mariota first. But Desmond Ritter actually could be the future in, in Atlanta or somewhere. Um, but at the same point in time, like they had they had Desmond Ritter. They had Sauce Gardner. They had, um, uh, I can't remember, what's the, the wide receiver? Alex Pierce, I think. They had a couple of pieces, and that was good. Their, their top people were competitive with Alabama, but you get five through 40, they were not competitive with Alabama. And now you're going up against an Arkansas team. And Arkansas is an SEC team. These are SEC players. And not only that, but this team, this was an Arkansas team that was young last year. They are a lot better. They're going to be a lot better this year. And this is a, a rebuilding year for Cincinnati. And you're throwing them right at an SEC caliber team. That's concerning to me. I this is where I kind of like. I think this is a blowout. I think this is like Arkansas wins this game by like twenty points. I'm not gonna bet that. I'm probably gonna bet Arkansas minus six. But like this to me screams blowout here. Um, yeah, I can't disagree with any of that. Um, the thing that's interesting to me is Cincinnati's really starting over on defense. Um, I think by season's end they'll be good. I think this is a I think Arkansas's offense is kind of overlooked, you know, continually. Um, and I bring that up because the total on this is 52. And one thing, you know, in my data nerd <laughs> quest, um, what's interesting is every season 
for the last eight seasons, the average uh, final score of a game is 56. And I'm thinking you've got Cincinnati's defense is starting over. Um, Arkansas's offense is probably overlooked. Cincinnati's offense, actually, as you mentioned, they lose a couple of key guys. Um, but if they start the guy that transferred, I think, transferred from Eastern Michigan, he has a lot of experience, and they return. They have incredible returning um, experience on the offensive line, too. So I'm probably going to play as just a small one on the over here. 52 um, is low to me. That's that's fair. I think that that's a fair um, a fair take on that. Uh, Louisville minus five at Syracuse. This minus five seems really low to me. I don't know if if we're expecting. Uh, it seemed really low to me, but then running my model last year. So if there was a, in my for my model, if there was a bowl game between Louisville and Syracuse, I actually have that about right. I actually have the I have the, I have my spread at minus four and a half, which is actually what it is in some books. So I actually have that about right. But again, that's not factoring in. Louisville's probably gonna be better this year. Another year for Malik Cunningham. Syracuse, I don't know much about what they're doing this year. They're generally kind of not a great ACC team. Do you think that, like, are you are we on Louisville here or? If yeah, I I, I think it's it's a play. I'm just not sure since I've got um you know I've got my preseason bet on on Louisville for AC. I know I've gone for season total wins. I don't think I got them for ACC wins. I think there's enough there, um, enough action to maybe just kind of just watch this one with interest, but. Four and a half seems so short. Now, you know, Syracuse does run the ball, and they had a decent defense last season, but I just I can't see them keeping pace. I don't think they're going to stop Louisville. Um, Louisville lost a, a pretty key receiver, but they got a really good transfer. I can't remember, you know, where he's from, but he's pretty pretty decently thought of. Um, you know, we talked about Cunningham. Just he's had – he had a great first season under Satterfield. Um, so – I'll probably bet, you know, just a small one on Louisville, not because I don't believe in it, but just because I've got enough action just on my on my season total bets. I, I think it's it's not quite a line that stinks. I think there's probably just some some skepticism on on Louisville. Yeah, it's not the it's not the full trap line. Like some of them, like the the Virginia Tech minus seven and a half, that screams trap against Old Dominion. But like this is something where it's like I could kind of see this line being correct. But I I just kind of think the books are kind of underlooking this Louisville team right now. Um, Boise State plus three at Oregon State. I kind of like the Beavs here. Give me the Beavs. I like my model actually really does. My model likes Oregon State a lot in this game, actually. Um, so I'll I'll take that. I I kind of believe in the model there. Uh, are you are you? I, this Boise State team was not particularly great last year. I don't think they're getting better from the transfer portal. Are you like they lost? Um, uh, Khalil Shakir who's now a wide receiver for the Bills. He's actually really good. He's been amazing for the Bills. And he really mm-hmm. carried that team a lot last year. Um, I think I think that might be a really kind of underlooked loss for this Boise State team. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And um, I think that this might be classic of that BBMI, just a you know, brand-based market inertia where there's just people aren't kind of yet realizing that this is not Boise State from three, four five years ago. I mean, they went seven and five and, you know, like I hit on in the preseason pod, it's not like they hired a, a proven head coach. You know, this is a first time head coach and I'm kind of willing to bet against, um, you know, that it just takes a little longer for his 
system to take root here. So I, I like Oregon State. These these programs are in two totally different spots, you know, aside from basically having almost the same record last season. You know, <laughs> one's in the Pac-12 and one's in the Mountain West. There's a big difference in talent there. Um, you know, it just this this line I don't think should be three. I think it's hard for a lot of people to come to terms with maybe giving six or so with Oregon State, but I'd kind of bump it up at least a field goal. I think just... We're kind of off a whole octave here in terms of the what the line is. Yeah, Oregon State is a rushing team, and I don't know if Boise State is going to have the physicality to be able to contend with that. Like they can just keep running and running and running and running and just break that defense. And I think that's that's exactly what we could be looking at. A um, couple other ones I kind of want to point out here. Um, Let me ask you real quick about that. Okay. So I think that one's at it's at like a three and a half, right? Oregon State. Uh... It depends where you're looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that'll go? That line's going to go up or down? Huh. In other words, should I be betting this now or should I wait? <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. Um, I kind of think you want it. I've, yeah, I've got Oregon State minus six. I think we're slowly seeing money come in on Oregon on Oregon State. I could I could see this getting to like a full three. I think I got this at two and a half in, in one book, but I, I think like this is kind of three-ish now. I think we could see this getting up to like maybe three and a half, but I could also see money coming in on late money coming in on Boise too, right? Like I, I don't know, right? It's, I could, I could kind of see that going either way. So I, I don't know the more likely scenario, but I'd probably rather, like if you're seeing three, I'd probably rather grab, I'd rather grab the three now than, than wait on, on a potential something else in the future. Okay. Um, some other interesting lines here, though. So this is a this is a line we've talked a lot about already. North Carolina versus App State. We talked about this early in the preseason when this was like three, and then it went down to two and a half. App State was actually flashed the favorite there for a, for a day or two there. Now it's flipped back. So the thing was when they when when all of a sudden Appalachian State was the favorite, I was like, you know, I wonder if North Carolina's kind of undervalued. But now it's flipped back, and now I'm like, okay, I think Appalachian State's the f- I keep going back and forth on this, right? Because, like, North Carolina didn't look great against – what did they – who did they play? Florida A&M. Florida like, A&M. Had, they, they lost, like, 25 players, like, two days before the game. Yeah, and they almost didn't co- – actually, yeah, they almost didn't cover the spread. Um, so not, not the greatest sign. But, yeah, actually, now that I'm seeing App State at, at even money, I think I might take that even money. Are you still with me on that? I think that's that's a fair play, I think. Yeah, boy, I'm just. Mm. It, it, it's a tough call. I just, you know, I, I kind of want to say, I guess, just thinking out loud here. I think North Carolina loses one of those two games, either at App State or or at Georgia State. You know, App State's a better team. Um, I guess, yeah, yeah. It's only one. I was thinking maybe App State money line, but that's that's not going to be really much of a push at all. Um, I'll put it's it this even. way: it'd be Plus hard. It'd be hard. It'd be hard to bet on North Carolina. It's either App State or just stay away. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. And kind of the last line that I saw that I thought was interesting is uh, Tulsa uh, minus six and a half uh, against Wyoming. Uh, I kind of don't mind fading this Wyoming team again. I don't. I don't know if they they're a competitive team. What do you What do you think on that? Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I um I think they might be in a much much worse spot than we thought before <laughs> before last week. Um you know, I I don't know a ton about Tulsa, but 
Yeah, I just don't like where Wyoming was, you know, figured to be a little bit of a rebuild. If I remember correctly, they had like they were one of those teams that had really low improvement metrics on both sides of the ball. And that might have undersold just kind of the, the rebuild that we're looking at. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, yeah, there's not many other ones. Temple at Duke, Temple getting seven. It's not horrible. <laughs> I, it's Duke, right? But I feel like now we're following the same trap as last week when we're like, oh, well, Wyoming getting 11. It can't be that bad, right? But Yeah, I think I'm going to call these just price discovery games where, you know, the market could be all over the place and this is just a an average of a wide variety of opinions. I just don't know how you put a price on either of these teams. I mean, like I said, you know, I think Temple is the first team I talked about in the very first preview pod just because I think they could be in a really, really bad situation. But it's not like Mike Elko walked into a great situation at Duke. I mean, you know, there was, I think for like three years, the whole thing was, when are they going to get rid of Cutcliffe? Um, I just, yeah, I just, this could be anything. Nothing would surprise me in this game. So maybe it's Temple Moneyline. I'm not serious, but. <laughs> I yeah no I I yeah I, I I honestly don't know I I you could you could convince me Temple plus seven Temple money line like plus two twenty on the money line this is a Friday game also Western Michigan plus twenty two and a half against Michigan State is hmm. like do we want to start fading this Michigan State team early against a MAC team it is a Michigan Michigan game. I don't know. Yeah, um, the one thing Western Michigan starting over at quarterback, um, mm. but you know they've been pretty good the last few years under. Um, I always get his name wrong. It's not Brewster. I get his name wrong. It's um, Lester, Tim Lester. Um, they I don't think they've ever had a losing season. Now that doesn't mean that they're going to beat Michigan State, but they've probably got a puncher's chance. They've never just been like, oh my god, this team is horrible or not competitive. No, they uh, usually are pretty competitive. I also yeah. yeah. I also don't hate the the Central Michigan Chippewas against Oklahoma State on Thursday night. It's twenty one and a half points. That's a lot of points, especially for Oklahoma and Spencer Sanders to score. That is like that's a little iffy from. Yes, it's a MAC team, fine, but like really, it's like a MAC team. Like are we? Re- that's a lot of. And they, remember, Oklahoma State does lose their defensive coordinator, right? They lose them. They they lost him to to I. Ohio State. Ohio State, right? Yeah. yeah. So there's also a player prop I like in that game. You can get, let's see if you like this, Spencer Sanders over 0.5 interceptions, plus 145. Yeah. As soon as you said that, I knew it was going to be Spencer Sanders and interceptions. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. I actually really like that. Yeah. I like, that's not a bad prop at all. Um, you get Central Michigan's quarterback over one and a half passing touchdowns for plus one, like plus 195. But that seems like you have to over two passing touchdowns against a decent or at least probably a good Oklahoma State defense that's iffy but are you like you're telling yeah, me you're giving me plus, 41, plus 145 for a scrappy defense to get a pick on Spencer Sanders that's not bad at all I'll take that all right any other lines that you see or you want to talk about West Virginia Pitt again or I think that's pretty much it actually outside of West Virginia Pitt um yeah no just interesting two USC quarterbacks going against each other um you know Pat Narduzzi who knows what he's got up his sleeve. Um, he might just, he might feel a little threatened if Scott Frost doing a crazy, crazy in-game decision. He might just want to just one up him and just do something really stupid. Um, especially if there's any pressure in that, you know, that that's a big high stakes game. Um, West Virginia and Pitt. So 
he might really crack. Um, I'm I'm talking myself to just maybe not missing a down of this one just just because of the Narduzzi factor. Yeah, this is a Thursday nighter. It's gonna be prime ish time, seven o'clock Eastern. But yeah, this is a game I'm watching for sure. Um, I'm on West Virginia here, and yeah, I kind of I I like that. So yeah, so so that that about does it for this week. I think we hit a lot of games. We talked a lot a lot of stuff and. Yeah, let we'll come here next week, and then we'll uh, at that we might be we might be adding uh, James Franklin to the uh, to the hot seat list if they lose to Purdue. Yeah. I like I will. We're gonna do that by the way. <laughs> if they lose to Purdue, we're adding them to the we're adding him to the to the to the hot seat list. Uh, but yeah, so we'll see you guys next week.